Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of The Reclaimed Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I am Jason Tucker, and I'm here today with Jesse Skiffington, and we are really excited about this episode because we get to talk to our wives. So Callie and Karen are going to be joining us today, and uh, this is such an important conversation to have, although I admit, a little bit scary a little bit risky. A little bit scary. Right? A little a bit. A little bit risky. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is such an important one, though. Think about it, Jason. You, you know, we're pastors trying to lead change in existing congregations. And the price we pay for that, you know, it, it translates into our home lives as well. And so I think it's really crucial to get uh, their input, what it's like to be married to someone leading change and some of their experiences. So uh, uh, this is going to be a, a good conversation for us and to, to get to learn from them and to hear from them. And we hope it'll be helpful to those that are listening in as well. Yeah, we were joking uh, earlier before we did the interview with them that uh, this may be our final podcast episode if it doesn't go well. That's right. If we got to get this one right, or we're in big trouble, right? Yeah. So exactly, no, they're amazing. The great thing is they're they're amazing, and I I I'm, I was really encouraged just listening to their stories and as they shared, and I'm, I continue to be amazed by how how did that happen? How did we end up with? Uh, yeah. Karen and Callie, because I look at us and I go, I, you know, I don't know, dude. So we did well. So good job. And we married uh, up, brother. We married of, up. Yeah, we totally did. Totally. <laughs> um, and another thing, you know, about the conversation that, that they have and talk about is, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, and I just shared this with Karen, I just said, look, I would not have gotten this far in my life in just about any direction had it not been for you. I mean, to, in order to do ministry, in order to do all these things together, it takes a really uh, unusually strong marriage and unusually strong support to do what we're doing. And so for all the spouses out there who are supporting their husbands and wives in ministry, I mean, what an absolute blessing. I, I don't even think they realize how important their role is because uh, I would just be a train wreck if I didn't have somebody like in in the trenches with me. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure you feel the same Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I, I think I've, I felt a courage and a permission to go for it because I know that I have someone to go home to that's going to choose to love me. And even if she doesn't agree with all the decisions I've made or whatever, that um, I say I have a good teammate in the, in the journey. And uh, that's crucial to have a place to go where you, uh, you know, that uh, you're going to be able to land and they're going to love you and welcome you back in and all those kinds of things and leading change Jason I know you we've had these conversations there are times where you get home from a meeting and you just felt beat up or or maybe energized and to have someone that shares a vision with you about mattering for Christ in our world uh to have someone to, to kind of dialogue with about that and is is a big deal too so we're grateful for all the spouses out there and thanks for what you do behind the scenes and hope that you feel permission just to be yourselves in the churches that you find yourselves in 
And all you leaders out there who are listening, uh, we pray that you share this episode with, with your spouses. I think it can create really great dialogue. And you'll see in our, uh, in our talk that we have a couple of uh, real honest moments. And that's, that's good. I mean, that's what we're going for. It's the only way that we know how to support them as they try to support us. So anyway, we hope you enjoy it. Hope you get a lot out of it. And without further ado, here is our interview with Callie and Karen. All right. Well, today we have an opportunity to welcome uh, two guests, Jason, that we're uh, pretty excited about having on. Also a little bit about, uh, nervous about having on in our podcast. Uh, it's kind of really the scariest episode we've done yet, uh, uh, but we're excited about it. So I want to welcome Callie and Karen to the podcast. Uh, Callie and I have been married for quite a while now. She would know the exact number, somewhere around 11 and plus years. And Jason, you and Karen, you guys have been married for quite a while, right? 16 years. 16 years. So you're veterans compared See, to I, us. So, I know. knew how many years. That's exactly. right. Yeah. So did I, but I thought it would make for good uh, podcast <laughs> fodder. But hey, uh, we're so glad to have you guys. Thanks for taking time. You know, one of the things we were just talking about before we hit record was how busy our lives are, how full our schedules are. And, are, and that includes your lives and all the things that you do as moms and uh, workers and uh, in your life. And, and so we're glad to have you on and uh, just wanted to uh, have a conversation with you because uh, in ministry, um, it's kind of a unique thing. And we have a bunch of, hopefully a bunch of people listening in who have spouses that are probably wondering how to get involved and engaged in their congregations. And then maybe there's some special challenges when you have, uh, you're married to a leader in the church who is risking leading change in the, in the congregation and the impact that has on, on you, on uh, your spouse, on your family. So um, thanks for taking the time to uh, be with us. And kind of want to just start off by hearing some of your story uh, with your, the way you've chosen to engage and get involved in the churches where we are now. And so, Karen, how are you getting involved? What, how have you approached sort of your involvement there at Tower Hill? That's a great question. So I grew up in church, and I think that helps me a lot because I walked into our marriage and him becoming a pastor knowing how churches work, kind of like the ins and outs, my mom's work. So I think that was a huge help. Um, I approached this church, which is much larger than our last church, which was smaller differently, and I just came in having been stereotyped, having been put in boxes, and just said, I'm going to be me and take it or leave it, kind of. And it's so far mostly served me well. Um, I think here, nice. some days are different than others. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But, so, yeah, and Cal, yeah, that's good. No, that's great, Karen. And, and I know Cal, your story is kind of similar. Tell us a little bit about your experience so far. Yeah, so I did not grow up in church, but I grew up in the South. So church culture is kind of part of the culture, even if you are not in church every Sunday. So I kind of know, mm -hmm. you know, the things about church, but wasn't necessarily there or an insider per se. Um, and so I think that has for sure affected um, my approach um, to church. But I, I feel like I've had a lot of freedom as well to kind of be who I who I am and not um, and not try to fit into a box or an expectation. And um, with that, I think it, it took me a little bit of time um, here at Marine View to kind of find my spot. Um, I kind of tried to join a couple different teams that just didn't feel like a good fit. And 
Um, and I think I've um, kind of, we've now found our rhythm, but you know, that's been almost eight years in. So it took <laughs> some time um, to kind of figure out what that means. And I think um, not having that church sort of background, you know, Jesse grew up in a church family, but I did not. And so, um, so I think that that definitely influenced um, me navigating um, where I ended up. Sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think this is an important question to, to kind of get out there on the table. But Karen, where do you sit on Sunday mornings? <laughs> Honestly, I sit in the front row. Well, second row. The front row is too close when he gets up to preach. But, um, but honestly, the only reason I do that um, at this church specifically is because our kids start with us in the service. And that is a moment for our family to be close together in the service. Sure. So we can all sit together right there next to each other. And um, although there's weeks that like if I have some friends or like say I know a spouse isn't is sick and not there with them, I'll join friends a few rows back. Um, it's definitely changed in some churches where we um, like either had younger kids or different things. I definitely sat further back or when we were in um, interim church, kind of sat in the back too and I wasn't super comfortable maybe. Yeah. How, how did, so talking about expectations, I think this is a really important topic because so in some places in the country like in the south or in other places it's seriously like you're the first lady or the first husband of 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 the church and there's a certain amount of expectations on how the pastor's spouse ought to behave in both of your churches did you feel the expectations of others or did you perceive those expectations existed. Do you know what I'm saying? Did people actually comment on what their expectations were? (laughs) Or was it something that you just felt? Both. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it's it's hard. I think some of those expectations I put on myself um, as perceived Mm -hmm. expectations. Um, And then there's some that are real. You know, I... um, I do not sit in the front row. I did not feel, um, I started out there, um, but didn't feel super comfortable um, there. And, you know, when he's preaching, I'm sitting by myself most of the service, right? So um, yes. so I think this, it started with when one of our kids, um, I call it the baby fog. I don't even remember which kid it was, um, you know, when you're just <laughs> in that baby mode, right? But I was in the back with a baby who, uh, you know, I can't remember if it was Addy or Will, but one of them, you know, was kind of fussy or I was worried they were going to be fussy that day or they couldn't go to the nursery. And I kind of realized when I was sitting in the back with a baby that that's kind of where our new people hang out. And that's where our families that come without, um, we have we have some families that come, the moms and the kids come, but the, the dads don't come. And so those moms end up sitting by themselves. And so I just kind of um, ended up back there kind of sitting with them. Why, why should they sit by themselves in the back and me sit by myself in the front? Why wouldn't we just, you know, sit together? So, um, yeah, that was, was part of it. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, I share a little bit, cause I think this is maybe, you know, an experience, but where people kind of feel like they have a right to your attention. Sure. Um, you know, if you had some experiences like that, yeah, to, you yeah. know, when you've but been interrupted. But I do think there are some, yes, and yes, that is often the case where people kind of, um, yeah, exactly that, seem to have a right to, you know, um, to tell me something or to interrupt a conversation. Um, Discipline uh, your children. Exactly, yes, <laughs> or comment on the children. Or I've had, you know, and, and going back to the expectation, I kind of got off track there with the, with the what the question was, but... The expectation, um, you know, if I do end up up front for some reason for um, uh, because, you know, you know, like it's Easter and there's not anywhere else to sit. So um, <laughs> then 
someone will comment and say, it was really great to see you in the front row today. And so, you know, it's it, there are some expectations there that I think um, are, um, you know, some of them I put on myself, but but then others, you know, people will point it out when I do sit up there that they like that. Yeah. So. One, one of my favorite things is when I hear somebody asking Kelly a question about a program or an activity in the life of the church, and she's like, I don't know. Because, <laughs> you know, she's not on staff, right? Yeah, yeah, I know all the details. Ask me, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, yeah. Karen, how about how about you? You know, talk a little bit about expectations because I know you've definitely experienced. I have my that. favorite negative experience was I'm a heels and dress girl. Like I just like it for church. It's when I get to dress up. It's just how I grew up. Culture. I don't have that expectation on anybody else except for myself and my kids. But I literally had someone stop me in the middle of the aisle, look me up and down, and say, "Nice," like completely judging what I was wearing as it was different from other times. Opposite of that, because I'm a dress and heels girl, um, currently I work in our children's ministry and we wear like these bright orange t-shirts that say got kids. So we tend to wear white jeans with that and like shoes. And, um, I definitely got some comments of that's not your normal or interesting change or what made that decision and was judged on it a little bit. Um, by different, we have two different services. We have a traditional service, contemporary. I definitely know when to be the pastor's wife and put on my pearls and um, do that. But uh, I don't know. There's a there's expectations for sure. Yeah, I don't know. How have both of you managed? Um, I think for Jesse and I, you know, we're slogging it out in churches and trying to. Uh, trying to bring change, energy, life, progress, forward movement for the gospel, and we're putting our heart and soul into it. What does, and you know, we get nasty emails and we get <laughs> angry people and we get pushback. Uh, even when things are going great, those things happen. How does that impact you? How does, what is it like? for you to experience us navigating change in a church? I, I think for me, you know, I, I really see us as being on the same team. And so when, when something goes right or seems really successful or he has a great sermon or whatever it is, whatever, you know, we count as success, um, I, I celebrate with that. And same thing with the disappointments. I think that I, I feel those just as readily when he's having a hard time or, or going through a disappointment or trying to navigate a hard decision. Um, I think that, you know, we both feel that. And um, I think it's great to have a partner in that, um, but it for sure affects us both um, when we're, you know, either way, whether it's, it's something to celebrate or something that's, that's harder to work through. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, there's times he can come home from, especially from a meeting or something, and I'm just like, I get defensive right away just by his demeanor. I can tell, I know I'm, you know, we're going to kind of be through that together or. But I know too, you know, even navigating change and things that have happened, it's made it hard for you. Yeah. When, when there's challenge and you know it's coming from a certain uh, constituency yeah. in the church. Yes. I'm super defensive too. I take a side. I, most of the time, I'm sure there's times that I've disagreed and I've said that, or I've said that to a close friend within the church and things. I mean, we're pretty open and honest about that, especially 
like we mentioned, like me growing up in church and him not, and him trying to make changes that are new, especially to a congregation that has both a traditional and a contemporary aspect. Um, I'll be like, whoa, slow down a little bit, buddy. Or like, that's a great idea. I think we definitely balance that way. Um, We're pretty open about it. He knows when to um, tell me what's going on and when to not tell me. Or if he needs to tell me something, maybe he won't mention a name, which is sometimes harder, but it's good because when I'm sitting in church on Sunday morning, I'm not just trying to like stare down that person and, (laughs) you know, have my guys back. But um I agree. I think it's it's hard not to um, to take sides, and when he just needs to vent um, about something or talk through something, um, you know, with me, it's hard for me not to maybe get angry or to you know try to see someone in the congregation in a different light if if there's an issue um, there with that. And so I think that makes it hard to navigate because sometimes he just needs to talk, you know, it's not, um, he doesn't need me to get angry at anyone or, you know, confront anyone in the pews. It's just, (laughs) you know, just, you know, kind of chatting it out. Yeah. Yeah, So absolutely. So it's hard not to take that to heart. I think sometimes because we, I, I, you know, we're, we're for you guys. I hope you know that. (laughs) I know we see how much time and energy is put into like all the decisions and people just think they walked into a meeting, made a decision, don't care about anyone's feelings, don't care about emotions, don't care about tradition, don't care about history, that they're just making a snap decision because they think it's a good idea. And that is not the case at all. There is so much behind the scenes that is not seen by your average churchgoer. Right. Um, And I think that makes it difficult. That's where I feel like I'm like, there's times I find myself over explaining to someone who maybe I don't yeah. need to. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, I'm, I, I can, I can also be, a, a, you know, constructive criticism, a, a, but a critic, you know, at times. And so, but I feel like I can be really <laughs> yeah. honest with him. Um, and, but I would, I would say things to, to Jesse that I wouldn't say, you know, obviously would not throw him under the bus to, to other people Absolutely. Um, or join in that conversation. Even if, if I tend to be on the other, uh, the opposite side of something that he's doing, or, you know, we, we can still disagree and support each other. Um, and so I think that's important too. Yeah. Absolutely. And we've had to make a few things too. Like, I think one of the things that, you know, I, I'm super vulnerable uh, after Sunday services. Like, you preached a sermon, you've heard people criticism and chiming in, and you're just, I'm worn out by that. So, uh, you know, I know Callie has thoughts about the message and how that went. And, and I'm like, but can we, let's just, can we wait about three or four hours or maybe till tomorrow? <laughs> and then let's talk about it. Cause, you know, I think there's a rhythm to that kind of thing too, where I just need to come home and not. I need to disengage from the church experience for a little while, watch the Seahawks game and <laughs> whatever. Yes. Uh, and, and that, I think I've appreciated that about Callie, just that, you know, I need some space for a little bit and then, yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear what you have to say. And, yeah. And, and I think, but I think that's something we've had to learn over time too. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, early on when you first started preaching on a regular basis, I, I not trying to be. Um, critical, but also wanting to give feedback immediately. You know, you know, I loved this, but you know, I I really didn't like this, and you know, and so, and that wasn't something he needed to hear right away, just like he said. Yeah. So enough honesty. Uh, <laughs> just tell me I did a good job, and let's move on. Let's move on. I, it was the best I sermon I've ever heard, tell. and move on. <laughs> Sundays, especially after church, when Jason comes home, you you can get a tell if like sometimes he's just talking, and Jason is not like he's done after service like give him a nap give him football exactly what you said but there's times he can just come home and wants to talk about it and there's other times he's just shut off and um mm-hmm. just taking those cues and knowing 
Um, early on in our relationship, I learned he's an introvert and I'm not because we did not meet in a setting where either of us had the opportunity to be an introvert. And so I actually didn't really know that much about him when we got married and learning that and seeing that's how he, he that's how it worked. That's why <laughs> she married me. Good job, Jason. <laughs> I didn't know. Trick him. Trick him. <laughs> Bait and switch, baby. It, oh, <laughs> but I didn't. But it took learning. I mean, that was probably one yeah. of our first things like, wait, why would you want to do something without me? And just to know he needs that downtime, sure. especially when he's hearing so many people's feedback from so many different areas areas in life from so many decisions that were important or struggles or you know he really felt God leading him somewhere and someone's telling him you screwed that up or whatever and sure. just to read those cues yeah. yeah and that I think it's that team aspect is important and being being on each other's side but also being able to to kind of learn each other enough to know how to navigate that stuff is a big deal do you do both of you feel also a um, kind of the same thing about perceived expectations do you feel that about your kids yes and, and in what way more so my boys than my our daughter we have a 12 year old daughter a nine-year-old son and a five-year-old son and there are a few people of all different generations actually that have an eye on my boys since day one and they are fun boys they're amazing they're smart too smart for their own good sometimes and every time they crawl under a pew i know and it's not because i necessarily saw it um it's nice because I have a lot of people helping, but um, I definitely, and my daughter, she's a sweet little, cute little thing, and so she's always like the angel, and the boys are always in trouble, even though another child could be doing the exact same thing or leading the charge, but somehow it's our boys that are always the ones that are I'm hearing about. Wasn't so. it like the first week we were here that, that uh, Jason was like running around uh, the fellowship hall at coffee hour yes. and was like scolded at? Yeah, they but it's had, like you you basically put a bunch of kids in a in a gym with hot ex- coffee and, and eight year old people that, like everything like the kids will not run. They will not move. And, you know, it's uh, put some lids on the coffee cups. Right, right. <laughs> like, you know, take a couple extra steps to prevent that. Maybe. Yeah, it was sounds like a parenting on. issue to me. If, if I'm really <laughs> honest. <I'm not> <laughs> no, I are amazing. <laughs> But we experience the same thing. You know, ours, um, our daughter is seven and our son is five. Um, and I, um, we definitely experience, you know, when they're running down the halls, same thing. I know it, um, whether I saw it or not. Um, <laughs> and at the same time, though, I, I've noticed that people know them and expect to be known by them, even if they are... Yes. Um, don't have a relationship with them, you know, and so um, especially in the toddler years, and I think they're they're both pretty good about um, being friendly, and you know they've kind of gotten used to this whole pastor family gig at this point. But when they were toddlers, especially, and people would come up and want to hold them or talk to them or or touch their face or their arms, and you know. Um, they would kind of be like, "Who? I don't really know you, you know? And so they would kind of push back. And I think people, um, some people would actually get offended by that. I'm like, well, why would my kids know you if they, if they only see you for a few minutes on Sundays? And so those sort of expectations. And then for me mm-hmm. to kind of hold back and saying, no, say hello, you know, you know, trying to do those niceties, teach them to do those niceties. And sometimes it, it you know, uh, Social etiquette is something they need to be taught, but they also don't need to be forced to try to know someone at such a young age so, if they don't actually know them. I and so I think that. that was hard for me to navigate as, you know, what are the expectations I want to give the, my kids, 
versus what are the expectations are being put on me as the pastor's wife with the kids. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So that was we have a constant conversation in our car. I'd say probably say every third or fourth Sunday because, and it's to a different kid, but we all talk about it. Well, the myself and the kids, cause we go a little later than Jason to the service and it's always, it's not fair that this is happening to you guys. It's not fair that you're treated this way, but how amazing that God called dad to do this job. And yeah. then he picked us to be his wife and children. Like, we were chosen for this and it doesn't mean you have to be different stuff, but sometimes, yes, sometimes you're going to put on a brave face that you don't want to. And sometimes you're going to sit a little stiller than you want to. Um, but we were chosen to do this and I, I have no problem. I'm known for running down the hall on my heels, yelling at my kids. I have no problem. Like if they're not behaving, I'm going to call them on it right then. But, um, at the same time, I don't, I don't know. I haven't put them in a box. Like I haven't, mm-hmm conform them to that but I've let them know like how amazing is it that we get to be this family here and I'll tell you what there are so many more people that treat us amazing that yeah. tr- than treat us bad yeah absolutely we absolutely. are spoiled I mean yeah. the amount of small gifts here and there I mean and whether it's just like hugs or all the way to literally physical gifts I mean we are beyond blessed um, and yeah. overall things have been amazing so I just try and really relay that to my kids that like and you know what? And when your dad, you know, I don't know, they get spoiled too by it. So yeah. I, that's what I really try and convey them. It's not always fair, but how amazing that we get to be this. And, and as honestly, you guys, oh, that, go ahead, Jason. I was going to say that that minivan speech. I mean, is something that that I need to hear. Yeah, like it's a it's a nice reminder that yeah, you know, there's, oh, it's for me too. There's so, <laughs> that there's so many more people who are supportive and. Yeah. And um, who aren't giving us a, a hard time, but you know how it is. It's like they're not the vocal ones, right? And, yeah. and it it just takes one on one day to just wreck your day, yeah. And and that's just that's just the reality. What were you going to say, Jesse? I was just going to throw in I, I, for kind of folks listening in. I think this is a really important conversation to have with your search team, with the leadership of the church as you're coming in. What are your expectations, not only of me but of my family? And kind of listen to those cues because, and of course, everybody knows the right answer. We're hiring you. We're not hiring your family. But you can kind of read between the lines. You can ask questions like, how have pastors' wives been involved in the past or how have spouses been involved in the past? Uh, the great thing for us here at Marine View is, is Pastor John, uh, his wife Shirley was a great lady in the life of the church, but she got involved in the ways that she wanted to. She didn't always sit in the front either. She was kind of doing her thing. And so we walked into a situation where, I think Callie had the freedom to just be herself, to get engaged how she wanted to engage and to kind of be a mom for a while and then to step in and, and, and to have natural relationships grow. We ended up having a really great friendship with our kids and the oldest woman in the church, Trudy Bowden, who was 98 at the time. She's since passed on, but they would go sit on her balcony and count the, you know, the sailboats out in the bay there where, where we are. And it was great, but it was a natural outcome of just being allowed to be themselves in the church. And I'd say for the most part, far and away, that's how, how people treat Callie and the kids. And so, I'm, but I'm grateful for that. It's, it's, it's not everybody's experience. And right. Callie coming from the South was probably expecting, you know, an organ and, you know, sort of the Victor- Victoria Osteen experience or whatever up front. And uh, <laughs> it hasn't been the case, you know, so. I think that's an important thing too, walking into the church, like, I definitely put boundaries up at first intentionally because you can put boundaries up. You can always take those boundaries away, but it's harder to put them up later. So I didn't jump into everything. I jumped into what was natural for me. I had little kids. Where do you jump in? Children's ministry, maybe in the nursery, maybe not teaching right away. But I definitely set boundaries 
which I learned the hard way because at our first church, I did not do that. I just, and it was a much smaller congregation, so I jumped in more. And we lived on the church property, which was, for all you out there maybe listening, <laughs> that is another challenge. That, that could be a whole other <laughs> podcast. But um, I would say, even set a few extra boundaries for yourself that it might be out of your comfort zone because you can tear down those walls, but it's way harder to build them. Good right. Point. I think that's a really great point. And I think for me, that precedent being set was hu- was huge. Um, that, you know, the, the, um, pastor's wife there before me, um, you know, kind of bucked those expectations a little bit. Um, but also, um, I think it's hard when we're trying to set boundaries because in the position that we're in, we can see all the needs. We can see all the volunteer (laughs) spots that are open. We can see, you know, oh, wouldn't it be great if somebody did this or this or this? And so it, I think it, for me, it's been really hard to, um, to balance that and to, you know, to, to try to hold back to what I just, I feel called to and what I'm good at and where I should be. And also allowing time for me to, to hang out with my kids and parent my kids and those sorts of things without feeling like I need to, to fill each of those needs that are out there. Yeah. I, I want to ask, uh, all right, this is kind of a dangerous question. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Callie and Karen, what, you know, talking to church leaders and pastors out there who are listening to this podcast, what do you wish that we, as as pastors and leaders, understood better about what it's like for you? <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> I actually, we had, I had looked at that question before. That was actually one that was a little bit us, but um. And I'm, I was having kind of a hard time with that because having been in ministry now is better. I think it's just like, geez, I don't even, <laughs> it's really hard to say. Like, I guess sometimes too, it's both like sometimes for me, I have like remembering that he's my pastor also. Mm. So for him, sometimes he's our pastor, but then at home, just because you've been doing ministry all day and you're exhausted from preaching to people and you're exhausted from reading it that our family still needs you as our spiritual leader. Um, because and I, I think we've kind of had ups and downs with that through our time, especially with our children, where there's times we're all in our beds together and we're doing Bible studies together and we're reading through Bibles and age appropriate, of course. And then there's times that you're like, I understand why he doesn't want to do that or it's not as involved or it's quicker or it's just a prayer over dinner, you know, that, um, but that, and I think, again, that's for both sides to know, but that at home, it's, you're still the spiritual leader of the home, at least in our case. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So even though you're worn out from doing it all the time, we still need that. Like, we still rely on that. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a great point. And I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, it, at times we're really intentional about doing exactly that, sitting down and reading the Bible together and... Um, and praying and and together as a family and kind of focusing on that as a family. And then there's other seasons where it seems like that um, gets lost a little bit. Um, Not, not completely lost, but you know, it's, we fall out of the rhythm as much, um, you know, because of certain circumstances and um, you know, because soccer runs late or somebody's sick or, you know, it's, it's easy for things to kind of come up that get into um, that, that interfere with that. But, uh, but I think it's for sure. That's an important thing. Um, 
for you guys to know and to remember as well. And I think it goes back, you know, I've never actually heard your dad say this, but you say that your dad says this um, <laughs> about, um, you know, be careful as a pastor who, um, as a pastor, be careful who you disappoint. Yeah. Um, and so thinking about, you know, you, you've got these obligations and these um, expectations and these, um, you know, this, this calling to a congregation, but also to be, the father of a family. And so sometimes you have to make, um, hard choices there. Um, yeah. and, um, and I, but I think Jesse's been a really good job of keeping that in mind, keeping that, you know, yeah. um, his dad saying kind of in the back of his head, you know, what, um, yeah, right. dad, also known as Andy Stanley. So I think it was a conference, but I'm sure my dad and I have said that or claimed credit for it. Okay, well, Andy Stanley's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of like a dad to me. So <laughs> have you not quoted your dad with that? I'm sure I have. I don't right. know. You're well, probably right. You're always right, and I'm always wrong. So, we had, had that part. Yeah, we had that. something early. On. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I would say we had something early on because, especially, I think part of me know it, wanting to know what's going on at church and just loving being part of the church, like. I love church life. Like I love being a part of it. I like knowing what's going on. And again, going back to a little like Mr. Introvert and me not so much. Um, we kind of had a role early on. This was even when he was in youth ministry. This was before he was a pastor that like he had to give me something, but I could only ask like one or two questions. Like we both had to like, he had to give me a piece of what's going on in his life because it wasn't, even though it's his job, it's not his nine to five job. It's his, it encompasses so much of our life. But then for me, to be like, but it is his nine to five in some ways and to give him that space. So it was like a little like, you have to give me this, but I have to stop asking the questions. Yeah. And yeah, that nice. really helped us too, um, just to kind of balance and put boundaries. Yeah, I think I, it's it's hard though. Something. I think because exactly that. I mean, it's not that typical nine to five. He, he can't completely mm-hmm. leave it at the office, you know, and nor yeah. should he, you know, as, as a pastor. And so... Um, but it's it's hard to navigate how that spills over into other areas of our lives and, you know, and to our Absolutely. own spiritual formation and development and, and our families mm-hmm. and how do we uh, make that work. And, you know, it, it's tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. I was just coming to my mind, too. I was thinking, like, there's things, too, and we've talked about this with our kids, that, like, there's things that come up. Like, I guess going back to what do we want you guys to know, this would be, I think, um, we've discussed this, but... There's things that come up that are just given that it's going to interrupt your family. There's a funeral. There's someone at a hospital. Like there are things that will interrupt your family life that I hope, you know, my pastor would do the same for me in those situations. And then there's other things that even though maybe Jason wants to allow, you know, like an extra meeting or different times that you have to say no and you can't allow it to interrupt your life. So as wives, we need to be flexible of, you know, what is, what is okay to interrupt our family life and what's not okay. And then the opposite of that for the spouse to know the same thing, like what is okay for me to say yes to and to know your spouse too, because there's times like I want Jason to be involved, like, especially as you're talking about leading change and things like that. Like I love his ideas 99% of the time. So I want him to be there for that extra meeting or uh, we've actually recently had a men's group that grew and grew and grew. And now there's two. And at first he was just going to go to one. And I'm like, but I want him to be there for those guys. Luckily it's at eight o'clock when the kids are going to bed. So, um, just supporting that. But, um, 
don't know. In, in yeah, change, and I think, there's times I think communicating that be both more. of those, you know, communicating, you know, I, I do want to support you in this and I, and I am supportive of you in this. And I, I totally agree with you, Karen, that, you know, I, I am behind him um, most of the time with most of the things that we want to support, but also communicating about, you know, um, I, I feel like sometimes us as moms are more in tune to, um, what's important to the kids and what is, what is most important, what's okay to miss and what's not okay. And so yeah. being, yeah. um, being on top of that as well and, and, and trying to be on the same page and communicate and be like, okay, yeah, I could probably do this on my own, but it's really important for you to be here for this or yes. vice versa. Yeah. So. For, there's a, for a real clear example, just this week we had uh, a vision night as a, as a bunch of leaders, all of our ministry teams get together and we share vision and direction. And that was last night and it was, it was great. And uh, then we had a regularly scheduled session meeting for the next Tuesday night. Addie has a, uh, her second grade concert or something. Callie's mentioned that about five times. Is there a way to move session to, you know, accommodate this? And um, I know enough now after 11 and a half years of marriage to know that that means find a way to get out of your session meeting or change it because this is the thing that matters to Addie and who's first in your life and that kind of thing. And so, you know, so I added... Uh, our session meeting to the end of our vision night last night and we cut it down. It was shorter and we didn't have as much to tackle. And now I'm free uh, next Tuesday to go to that. And I think as pastors, we have a lot more freedom than we think we have to shape Mm -hmm. our schedules to um, there's seasons where we're going to be grinding away at that. But I've really, really worked hard to uh, have multiple weeks in a month where I don't have any meetings at night. Uh, and that's, that's tricky, but you can do it. You can meet in the morning. There's no time that's too early for that for me. Um, you can, you can juggle things, check in more over email. And so that, and then, you know, I think as we lead change, Jason, this is one where as change begins to happen, as much as we'd like to be in every room, every time we have to trust the culture that's developing to let our leaders go and lead and not always be the one in the room. So, um, something we're learning along the way, but I think that's really uh, choose who you're going to disappoint and another yeah. way I've heard it put is you have to choose to cheat somebody. Who are you going to cheat? Uh, you know, uh, are you going to cheat your family? And and I we say all the time, God's first, your spouse is second, your kids come, your family's next, and then your job. And so uh, we have to mean that too in our, in the way we live. Yeah, that's good. Uh, how um, I think uh, I, I'd love because I, I think there are a lot of um, spouses out there and church leaders who would like to know, you know, I mean, you're married to the pastor, right? So how do you continue to grow spiritually um, apart from that? Because it is a little bit different. It is a little bit different than everybody else uh, in the pew. How do you make sure that you're growing spiritually independently of what you hear your husband talk about on Sundays? Like how, how does that work for you? How does your spiritual life kind of work? Since we were at this church, so I joined one of the group Bible studies here, and it was kind of a large group. I mean, there were, I say large as in there were 12 to 20 people at times, probably 12 to 18 or so. And then that developed into a small group, but I actually went to a Bible study at another congregation. It was an international kind of Bible study that was likely, but I went to a church at another, or I went to a Bible study at another congregation because nobody knew. And I just, and it was thankfully a Bible study that was led where you weren't supposed to talk what church, about what church you're from. There were a bunch of people from a bunch of different churches. You were kind of like the anonymity of it was part of the point of the Bible study. And that was super helpful for me um, 
to do that, especially in my our first years here, before I really had those women around me who I knew I could do a small group with, who I could be super honest with, who I could ask for prayers for things, ask for prayers for Jason, without judgment, without expectation. So I honestly, I went somewhere else for a little extra. And at that one, there was also, there was a Bible study aspect and a preaching aspect. So I also listened to somebody else preach. Um, I've been able to turn Jason off until he like quotes some ridiculous movie as like, <laughs> as my pastor, like I'm pretty good at listening to his sermons and really um, hearing him as my pastor um, again, until he make or some music reference or movie reference <laughs> or anything. And then I'm just Guilty. like rolling my eyes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But I'm, I've been able to form that where I do, can hear him that way. But I think sometimes helping, you know, listening to somebody else preach um, yeah. or being in a Bible study outside of your congregation isn't a terrible thing. Yeah, I agree, Karen. And I think um, I do a pretty good job of, of trying to um, do my best to just hear him as a pastor when he's preaching. Although I have some of those things, same things. I mean, I'll come home and be like, why did you rub your forehead the whole time? You know, there's really <laughs> distracting sort of things that probably only bother his wife, you know? I mean, Absolutely. Um, but I, I do, I listen to podcasts um, of people that I respect and admire. I'm in a couple of Bible studies they are at our church. Um, but I end up um, being, I, I call myself the facilitator more than the leader because I'm more of an introvert. So, you know, in my Bible studies, there's a lot of long, awkward pauses because I, I just won't say anything if it's, if no one else is. So, um, but it's, it's it, being in a community outside, you know, Jesse's obviously not in the women's Bible studies that I'm in. And so um, having that community, <laughs> even though it's a part of our, um, our church community, just having that community outside of of him as a pastor role and being, um, hearing their thoughts and, um, and listening to different leaders that I respect too, um, kind of helps, um, helps with that spiritual formation for me. Yeah. We, I've also been lucky enough to have a small group of women that the last couple of years went to like a small conference that was in town. We don't get a lot of big speakers in Jersey. Sometimes you think, but, or musicians that come in, but there's been um, a conference that's come through and a few girlfriends have gone. We've stayed overnight. Like we made it a getaway and we've been able to listen to these, you know, and people we, what draws there was women we've done Bible studies of theirs. Mm -hmm. And so we've gotten to go hear them speak and hear these musicians. And that really, it's kind of like those mountaintop experiences, creating a couple little ones of those for ourselves um, a couple times a year, I think Mm -hmm. can be helpful. Yeah. And I think being a part of a community, I feel like there's several women in our circle now that um, just see me as Callie instead of the pastor's wife. And so getting past that, you know, getting to relationships where that's not necessarily your first identification, even if it is um, within the church, Mm -hmm. I think is important. And so um, so that's been super helpful for me to just be known as me instead of as Jesse's wife Um, Mm -hmm. and um and, and, you know, it, it kind of lowers some of those expectations as well uh, when you've got friends um, yes. within the church. So Yeah, we, a big sign for us is uh, if we don't feel the need to, like, completely clean our house before someone comes over, that means we're friends or whatever. So that's been one of the criteria that we were like, when are we going to have the friends that we can just pop in on and they won't care and they can do the same to us or drop the kids off with the drop of a hat kind of stuff. And I feel like we have a few of those now. And it's taken eight years to, to get yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. But, it takes um, time. Yeah. Yeah. Relationships take time and just the right kinds of people that have that ability to disassociate us as leaders in the church and can just be our friends. And yeah. that's that's been a gift. And it's interesting, too, because I have a tendency to do that, not intentionally, but I never start with um, when I meet someone new at church, you know, again, I'm usually not sitting with him and I'm not 
an upfront role sort of person. So new people uh, may have a hard time identifying who Jesse's wife is. And and I often don't introduce myself that way. Um, and it's funny people's reactions after they find out. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I never say my last name. I right, never say right. It. And so, but I, I like that approach because people get to know me as me before they, you know, um, put that, put me in that box or, you know, with that sort of label. And so, um, so I appreciate that that's something that, um, that our community has been, has, lets me do, I, I guess I should say. Um, and, you know, I just kind of take the liberty of doing that myself. I think you guys should have giant floral <laughs> name tags that clearly <laughs> declare you as the pastor's wife. I, I do. I totally agree with her there, too, because I love, like, I often will not say my last name. And then sometimes in a relationship or depending what you're doing or if someone's looking for more than church or they're seeking – then, you know, sometimes you kind of know when to say, oh, by the way, or right. if it helps, like if feel, people aren't feeling connected, but you've had a conversation, when you say that, it kind of brings them in and then they're comfortable also. They feel close to maybe Jason just because they were close to me, which right. can go both ways, yeah. but it does help. So, and it is funny to see like if someone's put an expectation on me, whether, you know, it's again, my attire or something I've done or they've, you know, done that. And then I said, well, I'm, oh, I'm Jason's wife and watching their faces. And right. it's <laughs> it's, hold on to those. It's priceless. It's funny. Yeah. This, um, it, listen, thank, thank you so much. This has yeah. been awesome. I have a feeling this isn't the last time we're going to do this. For sure not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's so many things that we can talk about. I just thank you so much for, uh, being on with your, with your husbands and, uh, letting us ask you a bunch of questions. And I don't know, Jesse, I think it's, I think it's pretty good. You know, I think sort of, as unscathed as possible. Only like 15 edits. I yeah, think. I, did, I didn't <laughs> feel too, you know, I feel like I, I feel like I can keep moving forward with, uh, you know, so. No, the podcast almost ended today. It almost did, but no, I'm this is good. And thanks to you both. And thanks for being there with us in this journey of change because it, it's not easy. And I think, Jason, we're really, we're fortunate to have wives that get it about what we're no trying question. to do, care about Jesus, care about his mission in the world and are behind that and, have really great uh, ways of contributing to that. And and I'm glad that we have churches where we have a lot of permission for them just to, to be Karen and Callie and, and do their own thing. And so, um, yeah. yeah, so hopefully this is encouraging if you're listening in or maybe you're listening with your spouse or maybe you wanted to listen first and then listen with your spouse just to make sure it was going to be okay. <laughs> However that worked for you. Um, I hope there's something useful in here. And if you have experiences you want to share with us, you know, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us uh, through uh, the Reclaim Leader website, reclaimleader.com, and you can you find our, our emails there and, and other pod, uh, episodes from the podcast. So we'd love to have you uh, check in there. If we have any episode notes, I'm not sure if we'll have episode notes from this, maybe a disclaimer at the bottom, you know, <laughs> listen at your own risk or something. But uh, we'd love for you to have you check in there and uh, and then join us again. And I'm, I'm definitely, Jason, we'll have this conversation again if we can talk at Karen and Callie into coming that's back. That's right. So. That's right. <laughs> and, any, uh, any parting thoughts? Anything else that you'd like to say, um, you know, to pastors and church leaders who are listening to this um, before we sign out? Just stick with it. Be strong. Uh, know, know who's got your back. Know that you were called. It's not just your spouse's job. Like, you were chosen. And, you know, it's important. It's important work. And... Yeah. It's humbling work. <laughs> it is. But, uh, it is. And I think that that's so important to, to remember too, Karen, is that, you know, we're called to this as well. Even when there's moments where, you know, somebody's asking me about the key to something and I'm like, I don't work here, but you know, yeah. but I do, you know, we all do. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, um, so, you know, just keeping that in mind, um, and just being a team, I think it makes such a difference for us to, 
to always um, to to support each other and be on each other's team. And so, um, so you know, we really are your biggest fans. Um, so I, I hope you guys know that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Let's lead with that. Can we start with that? Let's that's bring it. that back to the front of the podcast. <laughs> no. Hey, Jason, that's really, really great stuff. I enjoyed that conversation. And we survived, which is the biggest thing of all. We, we did. We survived. It wasn't that yeah, bad. So hope uh, everybody listening, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you got something out of it. Hope you have the courage to maybe share that with your spouse and uh, just have some conversation around um, the issues there. And uh, uh, hopefully we'll have them back on again another time, Jason, and, and continue that conversation. Uh, if you uh, want to visit, uh, get to know us a little bit more, share a thought with us, ask a question, uh, share some of your experiences, go to reclaimleader.com. Uh, you can find our email addresses there, uh, Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com. And just, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please do that. Um, maybe share this with, with other pastors or friends that you think would benefit from this. And really, we're just starting trying to have a conversation where we can grow as leaders and hopefully uh, you can grow as leaders too. And so uh, great episode this week. And next week, our next episode coming up, we're going to have, I don't know how this one's going to go either, Jason, honestly. Uh, a friend of ours from this will be the second I know, this riskiest. is risky part two, but a really good friend of ours, Dave Berge, uh, who uh, started out as a church planter, uh, and then through a series of experiences that you'll get to hear about, ended up uh, kind of merging with an existing established church and some some of the things that he's learned along the way. So it's going to be a fun conversation, and I hope you'll tune in uh, for that next time around. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 